Well, I made it back. So, how does my hair look? About the same, I would say. Okay, one second, I got to do something. I, I failed to um, check the printer. So when I went to print my notes, we had no toner. <laughs> so I'm using my computer, which I've never, other than the first service, never done this before. So a um, little bit awkward for me. I'll try not to focus too much on it. Um, but not only do we have baptism, it's kind of an exciting thing to announce today. But uh, some of you guys know we've been looking for um, what I'm calling a ministry resident. That would be somebody who comes on on staff here full-time to help us with music, uh, with youth and young adults. So it's kind of a broader thing than just music. And uh, so we've been looking, and we've had a couple guys that we've been talking to. And, um, but lo and behold, we had to just look right in our own church family because this week we hired Logan uh, Wolf. So... So uh, you, could, you could ask us a story later. It's kind of funny how it all came down. We're probably, finally on Tuesday, we're just like, I can't remember if you said it or I said it. One of us said, so are we desperate enough to hire you? And we're like, yeah, we are desperate enough. Let's hire you. <laughs> the cool thing um, with Logan, though, is that Logan accepted Christ right here in our auditorium um, in 2017. So um, <clears throat> kind of a neat thing. Um, and if I can, I'm just going to give a little bit of your testimony because I think it's important. So I asked him, I said, well, did you accept Christ sometime before? Or was it in the 2017? Well, he said in 2017 is when I really understood it. Because before, I'd prayed to accept Christ as my Savior. But I understood that if I sinned, I would have lost my salvation. And so every time I sinned, I, got, I felt I prayed that prayer again. You know, until you and I sat down and, and you really explained to me the fact that once you place your faith in Christ, God forgives you of your sin, past, present, and future, and places His Holy Spirit in your life. And Holy Spirit's the guarantee to take us to heaven. Uh, Ephesians 3 says that. Uh, he adopts us into His family. He's our Father. We're His child. And so He said, that day is when I truly understood it. Um, and so that's cool. But wait, there's more. Because I can announce this, right? So Courtney is pregnant. with a baby girl. So it was on Facebook, so I guess I could announce it in here. So be praying for, uh, for Logan and, and Courtney, and just as they adjust. Uh, what I appreciate, too, is that Logan is a tradesman. You know, my background's carpentry. Um, he's a bricklayer, and um, so we like hiring guys who know how to work. Um, so the guys down at Fremont, a lot of those guys had trades, jobs, and that kind of stuff. I want to thank Ben. So Ben's been coming up from Fremont, helping us out. So Brent, I appreciate that. And uh, he'll head back down to Fremont, and they'll keep him busy doing something down there, probably some, something with music. So appreciate you doing that. <clears throat> we may see him back up here if we ever give Logan a you know, vacation or something. But Anyways, well, we kicked off our uh, Family Hacks series last week. And the idea there is to give us some, some simple things we can do to improve our families, to uh, grow healthy families, to be more effective in that. We say they're simple things, um, but, and I guess they are. It just, the thing that makes them hard is that we have a hard time doing those things. You know, we kind of get stuck in our ways. We kind of think we know better than God um, how we should do our, our marriage and our family. Uh, and so if there's anything that makes it difficult, it's us 
saying, I don't want to do it God's way. I'm not going to listen to his instructions for life. Last week we talked about marriage. I'm not going to do a review on that. I got plenty of stuff to talk about today. Um, but you can uh, go to Spotify, you can go to uh, the Apple podcast or Facebook and hear that. Um, I think it was some pretty good material there. Today we're going to give you a parenting hack. Uh, and I feel bad because last week I actually gave you a DIY hack using the paint can opener um, and having a little notch on it and hanging it on your handle of your paint can. That way you'll never forget it. I forgot to get one. It's been a crazy week. I forgot to get one. But somebody gave me one this morning when he walked in. He said, you know that paint can opener, you know what you could do, use that for? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. A paint can opener about this long, has a little hook on the end. You can actually remove siding with those. Yeah, because you just get it up in there and, yeah, what? You know, it just kind of slide it along or you pop your siding off. You know, anyways, so there it is. You're welcome. I'll come up with one next week. Um, so thanking the Lord for this fact, you know, we are, our church is growing. Like I said, we've uh, been at this for about four and a half years. We, uh, we restarted um, uh, a church that had been here. About 14 people were, were left and they have stayed with us and, and they're excited to see the growth that's happening. And one of the reasons why our church is growing is because our young families are having kids, uh, which is a great way, you know, to grow a church. Um, but if you remember, for those who were here, we did this redacted series, and we talked about the things that are going on in our society and how Christians should respond to those. And so today, more than any other time in history, these young families um, are going to need help. Because there are things going on in society that us who are older have never had to deal with. We never raised our kids in this kind of society. And so they, they need help. We need to hear what we're going to be talking about today, what God has for us as, as those who raise kids. And then we as a church family, we're going to need to be able to come around people and help our families um, in that way. And speaking of our society, when I say parenting, um, it's not just traditional parenting today, Right? It's not the father, mother, and children, but you have single parents, you have grandparents who are raising their grandchildren, you have aunts and uncles who are raising their niece and nephews. In fact, uh, we've got a statistic here, a couple from the U.S. Census, and the other one from North Dakota State University did a, uh, a study. And you, if you like charts, you can read that, but I'll just read over here. So children living with a mother only, 17.2 million kids live with just their mom. Uh, Three million live with just their dad, and 2.5 are being raised by their grandparents. And so the great thing about this parenting hack that we're going to talk about today is it doesn't matter who you are. If you're parenting, if you're raising kids, grandkids, nieces, and nephews, this works. All right, this is God's hack. Before we get into it, let me ask you a question. What's your goal in raising your kids, raising your grandkids, nieces, and nephews? What, what do you hope to accomplish? What, what's the end goal? Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah, I, I don't know what your goal is. I mean, that was our goal for our kids. When they were 35 years old, I always had them ahead. When they were 35 years old and they're married raising kids, that they would be fully dependent on God and raising their kids to be that way. But, but you have to determine what your goal is, and then you have to put together whatever the plan is to bring that to fruition, to make that happen. But if you want to make 
and develop and grow spiritually successful kids who will meet the challenges that they're going to face when they're adults and they're going to make an impact for Christ, you have to do it God's way. Again, you can, you can raise your kid however you want. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you to do whatever you... I'm just giving you information how God says you need to do it if you want to have spiritually successful kids who are making a spiritual impact, a positive impact for Christ. So what do we need to do to set that spiritual environment? Because what we're going to talk about is how parents, grandparents, how they set the spiritual environment. Um, what do we put in the way of our kids so that they're going to be drawn to Christ and doing life God's way? Because once they leave our house, we have no say in that. They're going to make the decisions that they're going to have to make. Now, just a little free advice here. If your child who's left your home, you're still trying to parent them, can I just give you some free advice? Don't do that. <laughs> Let them go. Make the decisions that they're going to make. You be there if they have questions. You give them advice. Don't, because God doesn't want you raising your kids when they're out of your house. That's on them now. You've had your, your input into their lives. If they're raising children... Don't try to raise their children for them. <laughs> My mom learned that. We've learned that. We're there for advice. You know, Kim and I talk, we're, you know, we'll hear for you. If you guys want our opinion, if you want our advice, we'll give it to you. One other free piece that just came to my head. <laughs> Another good thing to do is find other people. When you look at other people's kids and you're like, hey, I like how they turned out. Spend some time with those parents, you know? Because I know there's a bunch of books on how to raise kids and all kinds of, here's how you raise kids, this is what you do with a newborn, and this is how you feed, and this is what you do for feeding times, and this is what you, all, you know, find people who have been successful at it and just ask them, how did you guys do it? Because um, it's always, it's good. It's free advice too, so take it for what it's worth. All right, you ready for this? So how are we going to set up the spiritual atmosphere in our homes for our kids to be spiritually successful, to make an impact for Christ? The first one is this. Oh, I back up. So the parenting, did you get this up on the screen? Greg doesn't have my notes, so he, he's flying by the seat of his pants with me this morning. Sorry about that. So when parenting, so here's the, the hack. When parenting, use God's training manual, which is the Bible. All right, so his, his manual will help you set up that spiritual environment in your home for your kids to be successful. Why do we do that? And why are all these go back to God? Because God's the designer of life and of family. And so we might as well go to the guy who came up with it, right? And find out what the designer says. Um, again, you can do what you want, but I'm going to give you what God's word says here um, as briefly as I can. So, all right, we're back on track. Yes. So here's the first thing that you need to do as a parent or grandparent. You have to live it. All right? If you're taking notes, write that down. You have to live it in your life. You want kids to become people who are spiritually successful? You have to be living it. Look what God told the parents of Israel. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Now, if you're a first-time attender, 
uh, here with us. Welcome, by the way. Um, now, I color these words in, and the reason why I do that is that's how I read the Bible. I, I pick out important words so I can get a good handle on what the, the passage is talking about. And so then I like to kind of convey that to you guys so that as you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I study the Bible? How do I read the Bible effectively? Here's one way that you could do that. And so that's why I do that. You shall teach them diligently to your sons or your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, he's not saying to the parents, hey, as you're walking down the road by yourself that you're supposed to be talking about God. The idea there is your family is around you. Your kids are with you. And as they are with you, you're talking about these, these things. As you put them down to bed at night, when they're coming up and going to breakfast, you're talking about these things. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. In other words, again, we don't you know, have things dangling in front of our faces like the Israelites did. But it says the idea of that God's words, God's ways need to be right in front of you. You need to be walking in that direction. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, parents, grandparents, your children will pick up whatever you're laying down. Good, bad, or otherwise, whatever you're laying down, your kids are going to pick that up. And so you must be committed to live out this kind of life if you want your kids to do the same. So let me ask you some questions for you to just kind of evaluate. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength? Is God the most important person in your life? Do you see, do your kids see you sitting with his word open, his Bible, reading it, praying? Are you showing to your kids that being a part of God's family, the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ, notice I didn't baptize anybody in the name of the pastor of Grace Point Church. No, I baptize him as a brother in Christ. Are we, are we showing our kids that that's important? Are we showing our kids that it's important to serve like God commands us to serve the church family? Are we showing our kids that it's important to share our faith in Christ with those who don't know him because that's important to God? Christ came for that reason. If they aren't important to you, your kids will see it. You might fool your friends. You might fool people here at church. People might think, man, they're the most spiritual people in the world. And they just go, oh, when they come in, they kind of float. They're so spiritual. But then their kids know something else at home. If God and his life is important to you, even if your kids, when they become adults, walk away from it, they're going to respect you. And when life gets too much for them, because hopefully you're praying for them, they're going to come back to you for advice. But if you're not doing it, they'll see it and they'll know it. And guys, listen, I've been doing ministry for a long time and I've seen it more times than I care to even talk about. God's commanded you to teach his word 
and his ways to your children. So, next question to think. Do you know the Bible well? I don't need to. Harold, I got you. No. I mean, yeah, but no. The Bible never says, pastor of the church, raise the children of the people in the church. There are cults who do that, but we're not. You're called. So you need to know it in order to live it. And by living it, you'll teach it. We're going to talk about teaching in the second point, but this one is more in a sense of living it out in front of your kids. He says to do it diligently. That means to recite again and again, to continually, day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how good life is is going or how bad life is going, that you are teaching it to your kids. You're showing it to your kids. That means you need to know the Bible well. You need to be in it, reading it, studying it. You are the first and the most influential person in your child's life. You need to be in God's Word at home. You need to be here on Sundays. You need to be here on Thursdays. We've got other opportunities in microgroups that you can learn about what the Bible says even more. And then what I do is I help you guys know how to study the Bible. We, we do things that, you know, we open up the Bible, but then we talk about the names of God like the ladies are, are doing. Or the guys right now, we're going through Revelation and kind of getting an idea of what, you know, what is... What's the end look like, you know? And that, but we talk about how to actually study the Bible. You got to know those things. God's saying you have to know those things. And so you need to be then living it out in front of your kids. Which brings up the final question off of these verses, and that is, is God, is God the center of your home? Or maybe another question would be, what is the center of your home? If somebody were, if, you're, if I were to ask your kids, I'm not going to do this, but if I were to ask the kids, the grandkids, hey, what's important in your home? What would they say? Because here's the deal. Someone will influence your children, your grandchildren. Someone's going to do it. The question is, who's going to do it? He says, to talk when you sit, to talk when you walk, to talk when you lay down, to talk when you rise up, to talk and have a sign on your hand, I mean, doing it. Frontals on your forehead, living it, walking in that direction of it. To write them on your doorposts, on your gates. It should, be, it should be just, our house should be filled with the atmosphere of God. And, you know, Kim likes to put things up on the walls that are, you know, or I wouldn't say to put everything up on the wall has, you know. But like, you know, just simple things like music. We got great Christian music nowadays. Some of you guys, you know, know what... Christian music used to be, it was really kind of hard to sit there and listen to a hymn all day long, right? And then in the 70s, 80s, there was a big whole battle over the Christian music, and I kind of got in, a, in, in on it there, and my parents said, no, not, not that music in the house, you know? So I found some country-type bluegrass, at least I got some stringed instruments in there. We got great Christian music out there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, talk to Hagen, because he's got a wide variety of Christian music out there. We should be filling up our homes with God, God's Word, music. I grew up in a house where Bob Murphy in the morning, Moody Radio. It's irritated me. The guy was way too happy for so early in the morning. 
But what was great, they played Christian music, and I grew up with that. And I was in my head when I went to school during the day. And as I got older, I kind of went away from that, but then I came back to it, and I said, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen to Good God Almighty, right? Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the new time, Jesus when the sun goes down. Oh, oh. <laughs> energy, energy, you know what I'm saying? See, God doesn't say, I want to be part of your life. He says, I want your life. I don't want to be part of your family. He wants your family. And he deserves it. So who's influencing your child the most? Sadly, there's a lot of Christians who say, well, I'm gonna, I want to make sure my kid is at school and is extracurricular activities, and, and they need to be there because, man, I want to keep them out of trouble, and I want them to learn teamwork, and, and I want them to learn discipline. As if the home doesn't teach that? Are you telling me, Christian parents, you're not teaching your kids teamwork? You're not teaching your kids discipline? They don't have chores? I recommend don't pay them. You're already feeding them, clothing them. I'm just as, that's not a thus saith the Lord, I'm just saying. Pay them, but then don't pay them if they disobey. It's, you know. You mean a church? We don't develop teamwork? We don't develop discipline in kids? Only the school? Only the clubs that you go to? Again, what are you trying to develop your child into? What do you hope that they would become? I, I did some figuring on my own. So if my math is wrong, feel free to let me know. Figuring they sleep eight hours a night, just figuring. I know some of them sleep 12 to 14. I get it. But if they're awake, your child will be awake 5,840 hours a year. If they're a student like I was, they'll be at school for 2,100 hours. <laughs> I was there and gone. I was out. But if they're part of extracurricular activities, over 3,000 hours. When you figure practice and sports and what other things that clubs do. If your child comes to church three hours in a week, that means if they're here on Sunday morning and they stay a little bit longer than the service, and they come on Thursday night and they stay a little bit longer, it's about three hours. That means they're here 160 hours in a week or a year. It'd be nice if it was a week, but in a year, 160 hours. That means you have left with your kids anywhere from 28 to 37 100 hours. That all depends on how much time they're on their computers playing computer games. Got their headphones on, talking to their buddies, killing people. Not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's time away from you as a family. Killing people is wrong. Okay, time out. Time out. I just thought about that. Actually, I look back here. I look back here. The seltzers are laughing. Yeah. Killing people is wrong. You determine whether you want to have your kids playing that game, a game on the computer that way. Jeez, I've got to explain everything. <laughs> so let me ask you this. What, what, direction, what direction do you think the teachers, the coaches... Uh, their, their fellow students, the family members of your fellow students, what direction do you think they're going to be influencing your family or your child towards? Then, then ask, let me ask this question. What direction do you think, Grace Point, since you're here, what direction do you think we're going to be 
Don't, don't answer. Just think. We're going to be influencing them towards. You know, what direction are you influencing them towards? Again, do we want kids who are going to be spiritually successful and making an impact for Christ in this world or not? That's the question before us, especially in the world that we are living in today. I've seen the negative influence 3,000 plus hours have had on my friends growing up, and we didn't live in the world that we live in today. I've seen how they went with their friends and they were so involved in school because it kept them out of trouble. Okay, I didn't play sports in high school. I trained a lot of the guys weightlifting-wise. So I wasn't... Well, I didn't get invited to the parties because <laughs> they knew I wouldn't party. And I, what I'm saying is they're going to be influencing them away from Christ. I've met with devastated parents. I've been in ministry for a pretty long time. And I've met with devastated parents, Christian parents, who are like, yeah, well, you know, we thought it was important for them to be immersed in school because it would keep them out of trouble. Didn't keep them out of trouble. Put them into trouble. Too many Christians put education above God. Jesus is the one who said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things, all your needs will be met. God knows that education is a need. And here's the other thing. God knows what he wants your child to do in the future. You think you might know. But God has a plan for your child. And if they've placed their faith in Christ, he's got some place where he wants them. And so, yeah, he's going to provide for your child. I'm not saying you take your kids out of school. I'm not saying you take your kids out of sports. But here's what I am saying is that you are naive. If you think immersing your child in school and all that the school can give them, you are naive to think that your child is not going to come out of there unscathed. If you're not taking your 3,700 hours and pouring into them, You know, I was just thinking about this. We, you know, back when I was a youth pastor, we used to have kids come to the church during the week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and they were helping us get stuff ready for church for the youth group. They were the ones who put the youth group stuff together for me. And then we hired those people. Jeremy, the tech guy down in, in Fremont, incredibly talented guy. He started out as a high school kid, showing up, to, and we got him going. He loved computers and set design, all, and now he's heading everything up. Homeschoolers, I get, I get it that you want to protect your kids. I get that 100%, support that, great. We actually did it for a while with our kids as well. And I, so I get it that you want to kind of keep them away from the influence of the public schools and what the way they're going to influence them. But you better be preparing them to meet those challenges as adults I mean, if nothing else, they're dealing with them in junior high and high school. You can kind of help them through that if they're in public school. But a lot of times what you see is homeschoolers protecting their kids. Again, 100% agree with that. But then when the kids become adults, they're like, ah, because they, they were never prepared. 
We've got to be preparing our kids. We're not just to protect our kids. We're supposed to prepare them to be successful, spiritually speaking, and to make an impact for Christ in this world through whatever circumstances or people they come in contact with. Psalm 127 says this, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, parents, we're warriors. Do you, do you know that? We're warriors in this world. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Why won't they be ashamed? Because when you read through Scripture, the one who's sending his kids out prepared are going to make an impact for Christ. An arrow is to be shot out and make its impact. And that's what our kids are supposed to be doing when they become adults. And we're supposed to be preparing them for that. So yes, protect your kids, but prepare your kids. And once you're living it, then you're going to be effective in teaching it which is step two. So Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So he talks to fathers because God, since Genesis chapter 2, has given the fathers the responsibility to be a spiritual lead example in the home. Now, it doesn't mean that the mother's not involved. Or if the father is not in the home, doesn't mean the mother is not supposed to take this role. If the parents aren't there, then the grandparents need to take this role. Who's ever doing the parenting, you have a responsibility. Now, it's easier to do this when we start them out young. We put them to bed. I don't remember putting my teenage kids to bed. But I remember putting my little kids to bed. And so you, you read Bible stories and in devotional books, and you, you pray with them, and you talk about who God is. My dad, when I was four years old, led me to the Lord at that point in my life, telling me the story of Noah. You barely speak English, you read English, and he's telling me the story of Noah. We'd start it when they're younger. And it, but if, if it's something that's happened later in your life, and your kids are older now, what, find ways to put God's word into their life. Shoot them a text. Shoot them an email if they read email. If they carry your lunch, put something in their lunch. If they use your debit card, put a note on the back of the debit card. I don't know, I don't know how kids do things anymore. I'm beyond that at this point. He says, don't provoke your children to anger. So he starts out with a negative. That word means to exasperate or to cause resentment, to, to cause a child to be emotionally detached. This isn't the anger that your kid shows because he didn't like the fact that he got caught. It's not the anger that your kid shows because they've been disciplined and they don't like your rules. That's not what he's talking about. This is something that the father or the parents do to the kid. Those who fail, step one. So you want to summarize it, those who fail, step one. Those who are playing the Christian game. Those who are coming to church, acting like everything's cool, and at home, you're yelling, you're screaming, you're angry, ripping on people, having to roast at dinner. I don't mean what you're eating. Roasting people. None of us like hypocritical people, right? None of us like them. Kids, especially, who have hypocritical parents. Other ways it can happen. Continually inconsistent or harsh in discipline. Unclear in our expectations. Pushing unnecessary or unnecessarily high expectations on our kids that we couldn't even meet. 
but we're going to push it on our kids. We're going to live through them being overly critical or protective. You know, one of the things I appreciate so much about Kim is when we were raising kids, I'm very critical. My parents were very critical. So I became very critical with my kids. Kim had to sit me down and say, listen, you need to, you need to be positive with the kids. You need to tell them when they've done it right rather than telling them what they've done wrong. And so I had to adjust. That was hard, but I, I had to adjust. You can talk to my kids if I actually did it right or not, but Hagen's in the back. You can talk to him. But being overly protective, favoring one child over another, threatening or insulting our kids. There's a bunch of different ways we can do it. We don't want to cause our kids to be resentful of us, bitter towards us. What we're supposed to do is supposed to bring them up. That word means to nourish. It's like we do with plants. Not me, but my wife. They would, you know, they get plant in there and they put a little food in there and then there's a little more dirt and they pack it around nicely and, oh, too much sun. Put it over here where there's a little more shade and, oh, too much water. Now that one needs more water, so we're going to put it over here and we'll put it in the sun. That one needs more sun. I said, oh, my word. Just let me work in the house. This is just too much work, you know. But we do that with our plants. We do this with our pets, right? <laughs> Sorry, I won't go there. But, we need to do it with our kids. We need to nourish them. We need to give them what they need. The encouragement that they need. And it's this whole discipline and instruction that God has Paul talking about. The discipline is kind of the negative thing. It's, it's helping them, guide them for responsible living. It's, it's giving them the con- consequence of wrong behavior. Because when they get older, if they haven't learned that, they're going to be making decisions that are going to destroy their life and other people's lives. And then the instruction is more the positive side. Again, it's about correcting behavior, but it's giving the beliefs and the, the teaching. It's, it's giving the, the, the foundation of what we believe and why we do what we believe, do what we do. It's, it's to be of the Lord. So we teach God's word. And so when our, we tell our, tell our kids, hey, you need to do this, and then our kids do this, then we need to praise them. We need to reward them. We need to encourage them. Because then they go, oh man, doing life God's way, there's a reward there. There's an encouragement there. And they're going to want to do it more often. When they disobey, it's, hey, you remember what we said? Yeah. Did you do it? No. Well, now you need to be disciplined. Why? Well, because I answer to God for how I'm raising you. And, and I need to make sure that when you're an adult, you understand that there's consequences for b- poor choices, wrong choices, for disobeying. And so now I need to discipline you. I love you but I need to discipline you. Now in our house, depending on the, whatever the issue was, we had a, a, a discipline that met that. And so yes, there sometimes there was spanking. And so the spanking happened. It wasn't abuse. It was a smack on the rear end because that's why we're all got padding back there. You ever wonder, why do we have padding back there? God designed. And so, chow, and then they cried. And you're like, okay, enough of the crying. I love you. Give them a hug. And then say, now, do you know why I disciplined you? Well, because I did this wrong. You're right. And so I need to discipline you. Listen, doing this, it, it takes a long time. It takes time to discipline your kids the way God wants you to discipline them. In my home, it was, drop your pants. Go on. Now, I know my parents love me, and they didn't abuse us with that, but the point is, it wasn't at all how we did our family because I learned some things again from Kim on how to actually do that in a way that's effective. So my kids know that I still love them. 
But God tells me to discipline. So it has to be instruction. There has to be discipline. And after discipline, there has to be instruction. Maybe another way of putting it. So children, I got to fly here, guys. I'm sorry. I'm getting too caught up in this. So children need to learn that there's consequences to their choices. Maybe kind of summarize it up. They need to know that if they do, if they make choices as adults that are contrary to God's word, it's going to hurt themselves, it's going to hurt other people. And we've got to teach them that before. Their, hurt, their feelings may be hurt, their hand may be sore from a little flick on the hand so they don't stick their finger in an outlet. You know, their rear end might be a little stinging because they ran across the street without looking both ways and could get hit by a car and die. You know, the discipline is not as bad as what could have actually happened to them, is the point. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. There's that diligently again. Now, God's not condoning abuse. That's not what he's talking about here. You can spank your child and not have it be abuse. And if you don't know how, then you need to get some training in that. But you don't even have to do that if you don't want to. But you have to have some sort of discipline. There has to be some sort of pain uncomfortableness associated with doing things wrong. Doing things that's going to cause them as adults to hurt themselves and, and other people. You know, whatever you want to, however you do, timeouts, I have some timeouts, grounding them from something they enjoy. Uh, we used to take, weird, we used to take reading away from our kids. That was a discipline. <laughs> My parents ever said, you're not to read this afternoon. Oh no. <sighs> you know, would have been awesome. Read, what's that? You know, took my coloring book away. Maybe that would have been a little bit something when I was 16 years old. But anyways, here's what God says in Hebrews. It says, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons or children. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So God's like, God's like wait, Christians, you're not disciplining your kids? What? <laughs> what do you mean you're not disciplining your kids? Christian parents discipline their kids. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. God's saying, listen, I discipline my kids. If you're a child of mine, I'm going to discipline you. You disobey me, I'm going to discipline you some. It might be somebody coming alongside saying, hey, listen, you need to get back on track with what God wants. God might let you have to feel the consequences, the full consequences of the decisions you've made, maybe a partial consequence of the decisions you made, whatever. He's going to discipline us. Because if not, then it's, not like, it's like we're not his child. And so as Christians, we need to be disciplining our kids because if we're not, it's like they're not our children. It's a way of showing love. We care. We don't want them to become adults and have no clue how to live life. And if we do that, if we do these two steps, simple steps, then we're going to see the results. And so Roman, uh, Prover, uh, yeah, Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child, and that means a child that's living in your home, in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, something to understand about Proverbs. Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs are general truths about life. That as, as Solomon looked over life, he said, okay, when these things happen, generally speaking, most likely these things will happen. And so he's saying, here's something that you need to know. Generally speaking, more, more times than not, how you raise your child will, become, will be what they become as adults. That could be a positive to you. It could be a negative to you. 
But whatever your child sees in you as you live this life is how they will most likely, more times than not, that's who they will become. So back to the step one. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, then more times than not, your child is also going to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and strength. If you spend time in God's Word and in prayer, and they see you doing that, more times than not, your kids are going to be doing it. Why do I do it? I do it because my dad did it. And so then I started doing it, and I did it in front of my kids. Hopefully my kids would do it, and to this day, as far as I know, my kids do it. If God's the center of your home, if you do that, if you spend time with your kids, and you're sharing Christ with your kids, and you're talking about God at the dinner table, and you're being here at church, and being a part of the church family, and you're serving your church family, and you're sharing times where you shared Christ with people outside of church and at your work, your kids are going to most likely do that. And if you nourish and you develop your kids, your kids most likely will do that when they're adults as well. Well, as the band comes up, close out. Got just one takeaway. And so here's the question that we all need to consider, we all need to answer. Will you parent using God's training manual, the Bible, or will you do it your way? Because However you do it, most likely that's what will happen in your child's life when they become adults. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning and I thank you for the patience uh, of these here this morning who's kind of looked through um, these passages about parenting. Lord, I, I just pray that these thoughts that you've given us and as I've shared them, that each of us who are followers of Christ, that we would um, take these things to heart and we would consider them and pray about them and, and then begin to make changes if there needs to be changes. I pray, Father, that you would help us as a church family to, to come around these who are raising kids and encourage them and help them as well. Thank you for the fact that you're faithful, that you work according to your will for your honor and your glory. And we'll praise you for that in Christ's name. Amen.